0: MetCloud. Get connected, cyber safe is our mantra. From tailored, managed security solutions to our next generation cloud platform, MetCloud will drive your organization forward and help it thrive. You can keep up to date with us in all things cybersecurity by following us on Twitter at metcloud underscore com. We're also on LinkedIn and YouTube You can find the links to our social media pages and blogs via our website, metcloud.com.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Vanguard Podcast. And my guest today is the founder and CEO of taran 3D, Taran Singh. taran 3D is a company where digital creative storytelling is at the heart of what they do. And they combine these skills with cutting edge technology to produce unique and compelling interactive content. Taron 3D is an immersive production and training company where they produce immersive experiences through VR, augmented reality, and 3D design. Moreover, they provide full-service XR training and consultancy through workshops, training programs, and one-to-one consultancy advice. Taryn is an expert in 3D technologies, combining a unique creative flair with technical aptitudes. Taryn delivers professional-grade media products in the immersive technologies and 3D graphics arena. As a self-motivated and entrepreneurial designer, Taryn possesses the drive and technical capabilities to steer creative projects to completion. Taryn, welcome to the Vanguard Podcast and thanks for joining me. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks very much for joining us. And uh, we just said offline, but we'll, we'll talk again. You must have had a very, very busy couple of weeks with the Commonwealth Games up in Birmingham.
0: Yeah, it's been an amazing buzz around Birmingham. Really been enjoying like the community spirit and like all the events, uh, all the visitors that have been visiting. It's been an, it's been amazing for Birmingham. And we also got involved in some of the business events as well. Um, so it's really good to sort of be a part of it and help out a little as well
1: the The business events that they have, you know, on the back of some of these world class event events, do you see? You know, you you always hear the um, you know, the buzz of oh, you know, we bought this much business in because of this, that, and the other. Do you actually think that's real? You know, when you have a Commonwealth Games, the 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 the, the, the city spends so much money bringing that in. Does it bring not just short term? Does it bring long term investment into the city? Do you think?
0: I, I think it does. Yeah, I think it kind of highlights the region. It highlights the the kind of uh, facility and like infrastructure that we have and it also highlights the community that we have as well like what is Birmingham about and it's mainly about the people and how welcoming they were and I think people really warmed to that and I think you really saw Birmingham shine and uh, I've actually been speaking to quite a lot of businesses you know in our community yeah, And they've actually seen an uptake, you know, um, in, in business, more conversations being had, more larger businesses interested in moving to Birmingham as well. And then it was announced during the games that the BBC will be moving one of the headquarters to Digbeth as well in Birmingham. Which wow. Is the big creative sector. So that was a big win for us.
1: That's huge. I, I didn't hear about that. I uh, One of my friends, um, she was up there as a uh, a television producer during the um, Commonwealth Games. She said uh, the buzz was amazing and the amount of people yeah. and just the good vibe in yeah, the city yeah. was just amazing. It, it
0: was great, yeah. It was really great.
1: Fantastic. That's a that's great. great way to start the podcast too. Um, Taryn... I've read your history, and I've read what you've done and, and, and um, the business that you've built, but I'd love you to give us a five-minute potted history of, of, of Taran Singh and Taran 3D and, um, you know, the, the, the path of where you are today.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I was definitely a, an odd individual at school. It's
1: um, <laughs> a great way to start, by the
0: way. <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I was the strange, uh, weird person. Um, but, but I was really interested in like just creativity and, and drawing and art. And uh, I, while I was clever and, and I, I kind of grasped the other subjects. They didn't really sort of like grab my attention as much so when I when I left school I didn't really really leave with many qualifications mm-hmm. uh, but I went on to just start um, practicing um, design yeah uh, whether that be graphic design whether that be sort of uh, events you know uh, spaces and kind of just started to kind of volunteer and work with different organizations mainly charities and local community centers um, so by the time I was like out of school for a few years, I had a massive portfolio. So while I hadn't really been paid to do any work, I never had a job, yeah. but I had a massive portfolio of work and I thought, you know, that was a good way to go really. Cause I, I literally proven myself, um, that I could go into any sort of situation and be able to produce and, uh, you know, content, um, and design content. Um, and, and then I kind of went on to do like website projects, graphic design projects, working for TV stations. And then I went to work for the museum, I had a big love for history. Yeah. Um, never thought I would ever work at a museum, but I, that was an interesting stint I did there. And all that time I was, I was, I had a big interest in gaming and 3d. So I kind of taught myself at home, you know, I, I was doing a bit of design work anyway. I just started to teach myself how to do 3d modeling. And mainly I was modding games. So I was making my own characters and like objects that I could inject into the games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned how to, use, how game engines work and I learned how to 3d model and always had an interest in sculpting as well from school, but I just never had the opportunity. And this was kind of like a, a like a, a side way really to get into a bit of sculpting. So I started to do that and, uh, started to share some of my work online and uh, managed to get a job at an interior design company uh doing 3d visualization then went on to an architectural company and then an engineering company and because of my interest in gaming i, I kind of carried on developing that in the background and i brought that with me to the visualization and i was having conversations with the uh, architects and engineers about you know rather than just doing still like uh, digital photography of uh, virtual spaces you know, why don't we make them interactive so we could, you know, uh, switch things on and off and see, you know, get feedback from there. Yeah. And trying to understand, like, how the engineers were trying to communicate with their clients. You know, I had a good understanding of actually what we're trying to do here is either communicate, you know, energy usage or we're trying to communicate, um, you, you, you know, how a space will look, how the lighting scheme will work, you know, how the uh glazing affects the heating or the energy you know working with all these different engineers gave me a really good chance to sort of experiment and try out different things and um i went back to university and then i did a master's in computer aided design and i specialized in um the use of game engines and the architectural industry so that was like 2010 2011. yep and, um, what was interesting about that was I was able to come back into architecture and engineering and really sort of, uh, um, you know, pioneer these interactive applications where, you know, on a touch screen, you could switch or, you know, switch all the lighting scheme on and off for a building, um, and get energy feedback. Or I could create acoustic applications, which kind of you could change out, uh, fit outs in a building and then you actually hear the difference you know working alongside the engineers and using the data that they had to create something that very easily communicated uh, visually to clients you know what what they were getting because i think the engineers would come with quite sort of boring data yeah which didn't really capture you know um capture what, what the message was to the client so i got really good at this sort of visual communication and very quickly uh, making the client understand that spending more money on the product in the long term will actually save them money, yeah. um, or, or the benefits of you know uh, go, going for one scheme over the other. So that was extremely useful. That was, and then um, uh, while I was there, I mean the engineering company was very focused on the engineering, while I saw that um, immersive had wider applications because in 2014 and 2015, when the first Oculus VR headsets came out, yep. Um, you know, I, I, one of them was plunked on my desk and it was like, well, I was tasked with sort of doing the research and development of the, um, of, of the same sorts of visualizations, but in a VR space. And so very quickly I was able to transition everything over, uh, to VR. So we were doing the same sorts of, um, acoustic, um, you know, um, uh, visualization applications, interactives um in in vr and then i saw that actually immersive has immersive technologies have a a much wider application because like my mind was going wild i was like we could use it for heritage uh, to create objects that don't exist we could use it for uh, theater experiences we could use it for medical teaching medical uh, procedures absolutely uh, looking at anatomy looking at engineering models so i was like really kind of excited by it all but obviously the company because their main business was engineering they were just focused on that and i just thought well there's a massive opportunity here, and if I if I need to capitalise on it quite early, so I decided to sort of go part time at work and start to build my business.
1: That's that's interesting, isn't it? Because um, since COVID, that, I, I'm really keen to dig into that. And sorry to interrupt you for a minute. No, no, it's but, fine. Um, uh, one of the things that we saw throughout COVID was the, was the I wouldn't say the invention, but certainly the popularization of side hustles. Mm-hmm. You know, people people being at home now so they could, I don't know, use their time to to perhaps look at something that they can do, whether that's passion, whether it's, you know, to augment their income, whether it's, you know, just something they've always wanted to do. People yeah. started to get into side hustles. But you were saying in 2000, and I think it was 14, um you, you started looking at that. That would have been quite interesting for a company back in 2014 to let you do that.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, it was mainly, I, I think I've always done things in the background. I've always done what interests me. So yep. if there was something that I was, and, and I'm more of a self, self-teacher, like I will start experimenting and start learning. Um, so I, at the same time I was, uh, you know, I had this interest in sculpting from a young age, but I never really got the opportunity to explore it. So in the background i was exploring that as well so going off to sort of like weekend classes and you know evening classes in in in, you know life drawing and then portrait sculpture going down to devon for a week so i was always doing something like exploring and and i think that's an important part of like your self-development really and i think 2014 2015 was when I started having different conversations with people, and actually, uh, one of the biggest projects I did in my in my side hustle in 2015 was uh, as a friend of mine from Leicester, Gurinder Singh and he's a historian. So he actually works for the Leicester City Council, but he's actually a historian in his spare time. Mm-hmm. And like he really explores sort of like Indian and Sikh history, Anglo Sikh history, and you know he's written books as well, which was really fascinating, and I had yeah. interest in history as well. And so we were having this conversation and he was talking about how, you know, some of the objects um, um, that were brought back from India went into private collections and it's very hard to locate them. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like a big shame. And I kind of like said to him, well, actually, you know, have you ever thought about using sort of 3D, using uh, 3D to recreate some of these objects or being able to scan some of these objects so that we can share them in a digital way? Yeah. And, you know, he was quite intrigued and he said, you know, I'd like to... Kind of understand more about you know what what you do so i kind of uh, did a little presentation to him showing him what we do you know if a building hasn't been built yet we can build it if it's being built but you want to see a different scheme in there we can model it and put different lighting in there put different you know um a a whole different aesthetic interior design into it so i think um it's a very good sort of experimentation tool um you know being able to go into the future going to the past you know even absolutely and and so he kind of he was intrigued by that so we picked like a piece of armor and you know i said pick something and then we'll have a go and we we did a piece of armor and you know it came out really good we didn't actually have access to it we only had photographs so we reproduced this armor and he took it to a conference in america and you know there was like just amazing feedback you know all the other historians and the community the history community that he was part of they kind of saw a lot of value in this sort of technology being used to Um, explore history and especially objects and bring them to life so um, after that we kind of applied for a he he was doing an exhibition in Leicester on the Anglo Sikh Wars he applied for some um, um, heritage lottery funding and as part of that heritage lottery funding he uh, uh, he basically took a portion of it and said you know we'd like to do something digital in the gallery do you think you could do something Mm And I said, you know, I think we could. Um, they, they had a 52-inch touchscreen, which was just lying around in a container somewhere.
1: <laughs> and,
0: yep. uh, you know, we asked them, look, could we use it? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. So I went and picked it up from Leicester, brought it home. And so in the evenings and the weekends, I was sort of like developing this heritage touchscreen application. So I was, I was digitizing objects. We were talking to private collectors, having access, taking photographs, modeling up jewelry and you know, armor and weapons. And, you know, we, we created about, I think it was 12 items that we digitized and put on this touch screen. And so we put it in. I mean, the budget was very small, we put it in and the feedback was amazing. Um, wow. so the following year he applied for another grant. And this time actually was comp- because, because the digital touch screen was so popular with the, with, especially with young families. Um, they, they, they applied for another grant. And this time it was a completely digital, um, digital project. It was actually a, a virtual museum and um, so we uh, we spent about three four years like 20 i think it was 2015 to about 20 uh yeah 2019 developing this like virtual museum and we took it around to schools and colleges universities and we were talking about um you know heritage we were able to share this with young kids as well so rather than them going to the museum and looking at an object behind a piece of glass they were able yep. to pick up a sword or pick up a shield so there was that advantage at the same time we were talking to them about the technologies so i was saying to them you know what there's going to be a lot of opportunities in the future in this area and you know there's going to be a massive need for people who are creative yep. um and have good ideas and can come into the immersive technology space uh Um, and, and, you know, so so there's that conversation there as well. So it kind of like, and and that's where really my side hustle came from Okay. and that kind of built the business on the side. And then during about 2018, 2019, I said to work, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm interested in other things and I'd like to go part-time. So I went part-time three days a week Yeah. and then I was sort of running my business two days a week. And then I just built it over a year really, um, into the business that I had. I mean, I didn't really take it that seriously until, you know after the the virtual museum and then i realized actually and and then people started contacting me for other work and then i realized actually there's there's kind of like something in this you know that i could do professionally yeah so um you know and and it all started as like uh, like you said you know when you said you know things that you've always wanted to do or things doing things that you're interested in yeah it all sparked off from just that one conversation of and, and a lot of work that i've done has actually sparked off from conversations that I've had with people where I just say, have you ever thought of, and, and that's all it takes really, and it? it's just that spark of an idea of, have you ever thought of doing this, or have you ever thought of doing it this way? Absolutely. Have you ever thought of using VR? And, and and it kind of exploded from there.
1: You know, the mind boggles. Um, I've got three or four projects in my head already that I think this would be perfect for. One, So I'm, I'm a history buff as well. People, listeners of the podcast understand that, and most of my friends know. Um, I'm a massive history buff, especially when it comes to um, First World War history, Australians coming all the way over to Europe and all that kind of stuff. Um, And for me, one of the first things I wanted to do, even though this relative was actually English, um, a lot of us Australians obviously (laughs) are from English descent, um, and one of my, my great, great uncle was killed in 1917, and to find his grave was... Um, a bit of a trek, but we eventually found it. And can you imagine if the Commonwealth War Graves said, Taryn, what we're going to do, we're going to scan every single headstone, every single cemetery that we have, and all you have to do is have a VR headset and you can go and see it.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: that would be absolutely amazing because you and I both know, um, you know, from the Commonwealth War Graves, if if people don't know, is an amazing, amazing, amazing organisation. They do so much good work. And and you know, the ability of being able to do that instead of traveling to, you know, the four corners of the earth to see a relative's grave or something like that would be imagined. that's that's one of them. Um the other one would be, you know, with the with the um, you know, over a hundred years now since that conflict, but just general conflicts or um general history, you know, can you imagine yeah. a VR a VR model? watching, I don't know, Captain Cook land on Australia. Or, yeah. you know, those type of things can just immerse you back into history. And, and being a history buff, I think that would be oh,
0: the mind boggles of how many things you could do, really. 100%. And yeah. uh, we've just recently been talking to somebody in India, actually, because there's a lot of, uh, obviously, when uh, during the partition of India, yes, a lot of buildings and, um, you know, important buildings were abandoned during that time. And it would be really great to capture those and preserve them. Uh, Absolutely. So this thing about preservation is really big at the moment now. Um, and, and you know, this is one of the things, the conversations that we've been having is that how can we use, you know, VR and uh, 3D scanning technologies becoming more and more accessible and cheaper to do. Mm. So we're looking at sort of like scanning in these buildings and preserving them, especially the some of the paintings on the walls or the panels. Yes, of course, on of course. Walls. Uh, but yeah, r- really great thing to come out of that project was actually we were contacted by, um, um, War Memorial Committee in Leicester and the Leicester City Council. And we were asked to do some visualizations a few years ago for a Commonwealth Sikh soldier that they oh, were talking wow. to get into there. Yeah. And uh, we actually put in for the visualization and we ended up actually winning the, 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 the contract to actually sculpt the statue. Um, so I'm, I'm more of a digital sculptor. So I yep. sculpt digitally. I do, do, yes. when I go on courses and stuff, I sculpt in clay, but, yep. um, generally, um, for speed and for the type of digital work that we do, uh, I sculpt digitally, um, using a, a, like a software package called ZBrush, uh, which literally you paint on the screen and it's like sculpting in and out of a, of, of, a of a, of a digital clay. Yeah. And so I've actually sculpted, um, a 12 foot statue, um, of a Sikh soldier, uh, from the second world war. Wow. And that will be going into Leicester, Leicester, um, Victoria Square near the uh, Memorial Park, um, later this year. And uh, actually, the, the, can't wait to see it. The, yeah. So, so, so the way that that's been produced is actually different. So usually there's a clay sculpture created, um, and then the clay sculpture is sort of moulded, and then they create a wax version, and then they use the cold cast wax technique. To create a bronze, Yep. Uh, but this time around, what we did was we we used a company that uh CNCs it out of foam, so they made a twelve foot foam version uh using the five axis CNC, five axes, yeah. basically, you know, out of a block of foam, they actually just you know cut it out, yeah. And then that's gone to the um the foundry, so it's actually at the, the, the wax is actually at the foundry today. Um, so I'm going to see it early next week just to cool. it. And then the bronze will be made. So that's something I'm really proud of as well, because as, as, as a personal interest, as a sculptor, yeah. also as a Sikh descendant as well. Of course. To, to commemorate, you know, our ancestors and the hard work that they did. And I did actually have a, a great grandfather who fought in the Second World War as well, um, who died, I believe, in Burma. Oh,
1: wow. Okay. Yeah,
0: so. Um, oh, it's, yeah.
1: it's, it's poignant as well as, as, well as personal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a, that's an amazing story. I I love that. What the um, uh, one of the things that that, that I'm really interested in, and, and and I loved how you illustrate. You know, you, you follow your passion, and it's something that you want to do. You know, you're able to have income from your job whilst you're building up the business, and you know, going from there. What what inspired you, or what was that? What was that? What was that pivot point where you said? Now, I'm I'm ready to go it alone. Was there because so many people do side hustles, whether they yeah have projects here or you know do a bit here or whatever. What was the catalyst to say you know what I re- I think we're ready to go? Was it financial? Was it a belief that yes, there's something in this and we're going to make a living out of it? What what was that catalyst to go? I'm ready yeah. to cut the s- strings and go for it.
0: Yeah, no, I I think it's a it's a mixture of joy and financial. Yeah. Uh, because obviously I felt the joy from it. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing it really much Of the time. Yeah. So the joy kind of uh, was the fuel that kind of moves you along, uh, but financially you had to make it work. Cause obviously I've got kids, you know, um, yeah. and, you know, you, you've got a house to run and, you know, and, and so those expenses, I, you know, I couldn't just, I couldn't just leave work yes. and uh, put my, put my family at risk uh, financially, so um, I started to, I, I, I mean, I'm r- relatively a novice in business. So I started to also learn about business as well. It wasn't something that I was really interested in It was something that really excited me, but it was something that I knew that I needed to be able to transition across. If data had a sound, It could be this, the sound of important and sensitive information leaking out of your business.
1: MetCloud, get connected, cyber safe.
0: Um, as soon as I could uh, earn enough money to cover those three days. So I'd already taken a bit of a, you know, I'd had this conversation with my wife that look, I think there's something here and what I'd like to do is just go part-time for six months Yep. and you know, it's going to be a bit tight, but we will be able to, you know, we we can find a way to manage and, um, you know, so she supported me. So I had my wife support. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, um, you know so i had those six months to to prove to her that you know i can make it work and as soon as i had uh, you know i could i could bring in enough money each month to cover those three days i knew then that well if i can cover my three days then i should be if i carry on working at this for five days then i can cover the other two days as well and so yeah as soon as i i reached that point then that was the proof i needed to prove to her um, and prove to myself as well. In in hindsight, yeah, I should have left a few years ago from work. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I should have done it. I, I now, looking back, I said I should have done it earlier. And I think, yeah, sometimes you have to take some risks, and and, and that it doesn't have to be big risks. Maybe take a little semi-risk. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, Calculated part, risk. Exactly. Going yep. part time from work for a little while, you know, taking a little bit of a break, or taking using your holidays to develop your business. Rather than going, you know, on a on a trip, and you know, even at lunch times, I would I would sit there and I would say, look, I'm on lunch time now. I'd you know take my laptop downstairs or to a cafe, and then I'd have an hour to do a bit of my own work, work on the business, do a bit yep. of research. Uh, Evenings, you know, I'd do a little bit while spending time with the try and spend time with the family when the kids went to sleep and do a little bit there. And then obviously the weekends, you know, I'd I'd get some of the family stuff over and done with, maintenance on the house, you know, mowing the lawn and stuff like that, and then making a bit of time and saying okay, I'm just going to do a little bit of work. And I think it's that kind of consistent, you know, even if you do a little bit each day you're moving forward and i think even if it takes you a year or two years you've got nothing to lose and i i find myself saying this to a lot of people so i'm in the creative space quite a bit yep know, surrounded by people who are amateur artists you know people who do it for the fun of it and you know um and i kind of meet like police officers teachers pharmacists who like say to me i you know i always had a passion when i was younger for doing like art yeah and drawing and i really wanted to pursue it and i would really try and encourage them to say you know right? you can still do it you're never too old and um, you know just go to an evening class in drawing and just see how it makes you feel go to a sculpting class you know go to a pottery class uh, go to a cooking class anything that just you know gives you a bit of joy in your life you know just go for it you've got nothing to lose you know uh, no, absolutely you, know, you might just enjoy it and you might just you know because at, at the end of the day we've got to pass our time you might as well pass it in a in a joyful way so absolutely. i think I, th- I think i find myself saying you know trying to encourage people to follow the passions that they didn't follow because maybe they didn't think it was practical or they somebody told them that this isn't proper work or you won't be able to survive like this you don't have to survive off it even if it's fun um you know just just go and do it a little just bit go and the weekends and you never know you know
1: yeah no absolutely I, I i love the um i love the motto just go and do it Mm. Know, because so, so many of us, um, and, you know, we've all been guilty of it in some way, shape, or form, you know, we say, I can't do it right now, I haven't got the money, can't do it right yeah. now, I haven't got the time, you know, need to do this, need to do that, and we, and we miss out on tremendous opportunities, yeah. and we don't want to be on our deathbeds at some point and say, if only I had have done that, or, if yeah, only yeah. I had have done that. And well, I guess as you get older, Taryn, too, you, you probably appreciate that more than what you do when you're 24%. You
0: know, so. and especially when i talk to mothers like I, I i speak to a lot of mothers who've got little kids and you know yeah. it's, it's difficult bringing up kids it's not easy like and yeah. it's like it's more than a it's not even a full-time job it's a 24 7 24 like, 7 job yeah and yeah. and there's like you know and and it's and and the thing is i encourage them even more because i say i know i understand you haven't got time but you can't not do it really because yeah. if you, you 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 know you're bringing up kids you need a bit of joy in your life you need yeah. that little bit of your personal time and something meditative that can sort of, uh, uh, you know, is therapeutic. You know, yeah, and uh, once you find that, I think um, you know, it's it's just it's just useful for your own personal growth. And it, I believe that it actually brings something more to you. You bring something new to your family, to your kids. Uh, my kids are really creative now as well, and because they see me exploring it all the time and being kind of quite kind of fearless in my pursuit of of of, of what I love. Um, I'm seeing that in them as well. You know, my son's into animation and he's, you know, pursuing that. My daughter's into kind of like embroidery art and she does kind of watercolors and, you know, nail art and, you know, Mendy pattern work and stuff like that. And it's really just good to see them follow their passions and, um, you know, feel that joy in their life.
1: Absolutely, it's it's funny you talk about animation. We had uh, Rob Sprackling on, um, uh-huh. who who was uh, who was one of the the co writers of of the Queen's Corgi, and um, was involved in in a few animated. Um, Programs and and um, films throughout the years, Romeo yeah, yeah. um, no and Juliet as well. Yeah, and, yeah I
0: remember that. And,
1: and, and I, yeah, and I, I just love listening to 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 yourself and Rob talk about you know the creative side of things, the animation side of things, and and now your sons are it's certainly the way it's going. I mean, how many, you know, how many animated films are coming out now? Comp- you know <laughs> compared to. Regular mainstream films, it's, the ratio needs, uh, surely has improved, or certainly gone up since you know ten years ago, fifteen years ago. You know, mm-hmm. since the invention of Buzz Lightyear and, and Toy Story and all that, it seems to have just gone up and up and up and up and up. So, uh, for your son, what a, what a great interest to have, and and yeah. certainly could be a, a road to uh, to fame and success for sure. But as you say, at the end of the day, as long as he loves doing it, yeah. So Definitely. that that's fantastic. I wanted to ask you. You know, sculpting you, you mentioned sculpting a couple of times and, and your love of it. it's the probably one of the oldest art forms, but also you're doing it in one of the newest formats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the one thing i'm I'm really keen on is is the innovation side of things. You said you use a tool uh, you know to do digital sculpting. What's innovative in your world these days and, and how fast is it moving?
0: Um, I think it's moving exponentially. Um, I mean, I remember a time when I, when I was 3d modeling kind of like 15, 20 years ago, I mean, there was, you could, you know, I I could do a 3d model and I would show my friends and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they weren't very good at the time, but I, I I used to love just showing people and sharing it with people and the kind of 3d model this and a 3d model that, but for me to actually kind of realize that 3d model in real life was kind of like unheard of, you know, it wouldn't happen you know it would cost thousands and thousands of pounds to be able to like create actually a physical copy of what you'd 3d yeah. modeled. yeah now i mean i could buy a 150 pound 3d printer and i can 3d model any of my sculpts like and which i do I actually sell my sculptures um as a as a sort of a, a side side hustle as a second side hustle like i could actually do like sculptures 3d print them and i can just i can 3d print like a like a couple and on the weekend and just sell them online yeah and and I mean that that is just it's it's just even now it's just kind of it's just wonderful like to be able to do that, and I'm starting to do more commissions, you know people are requesting specific sculptures, which I'm able to just produce within like a few days you know i can you know in, in, back you know back in the day it would have taken like you know weeks or months to be yes. able to kind of refine that. I've, uh, did a start, started a commission to, I think it was actually just a week ago and I was able to sculpt it up digitally, um, 3d print it as a prototype and then, you know, make some changes and then just, actually, I've got the 3d printer on at the moment. It's just doing the last part and just within two weeks, I'll be able to realize like a, a digital sculpture and the best thing about it as well. If I need to change the size, I can print it any size I want now. Yeah you know obviously my 3D printers are smaller, so I can print smaller uh, parts myself. Anything bigger than that, like a 12 foot like, like the Commonwealth soldier, um, that's, I can ex- you know send my digital files out to them and then they can 3D print them. I think especially in the immersive space, the, the, the biggest advancements that we're getting at the moment are in augmented reality. So this is where you can actually project a 3D model into your environment. Um, and so, so rather than with VR, it's kind of like it takes over and you're in a completely different environment. With augmented reality, you actually can see your environment, but you can actually put things on the table or put things on the floor, or put things uh, geospatially in in a, in, a, in a space. So you can actually check the GPS and put something on top of a building. And I think that's where we're going to see the biggest change in the mass adoption of of, of immersive technologies. Uh, especially when at the moment you can do augmented reality on on your mobile phone, on your Apple tablets, and and, and so on. Uh, But when it actually comes into the form of a pair of glasses uh, where you can look around and, you know, screens, video, uh, multimedia content, 3D models can be augmented into your environment, Mm -hmm. that's just going to be like a massive game changer and it's just going to be massive. I imagine, um, you know, going to your boiler. Um, and, and we've, I'm saying this because we've, we've actually we have actually done this for somebody going to your boiler, you know, you put your glasses on and, you know, on your mobile phone, you select the boiler model and then your glasses augment the, you know, the, the instructions on how to refill the pressure, you know, wow, little yeah. arrows telling you where to twist how, by how many degrees, which things to check. And and then even then, let's say you you still don't know what to do, you can actually call a engineer who can remote in and see what you're seeing. See your what you're seeing, yeah. And and advise you. And I think this is where it's going really. And I wow. think you know, Apple, Samsung, all these big manufacturers, they're coming out with these augmented reality glasses within the next year. And I think that's where it's going to be really powerful because I think very quickly within about five to ten years, we will have contact lenses with this capability. And so what it means is that, you know, everyone will will not need a mobile phone anymore. It will just all be, you know, um, um, there in virtual screens, um, which on, only you see or that you can share with other people's devices. That's um, amazing. And And I think very, very quickly we're going to get there. I don't think we're far off.
1: Uh, especially with the train issues and the plane issues and stuff like that, getting people out and about probably this has got to be where it's at, right? Because people are just sick of traveling at the moment.
0: Definitely. And I think yeah. COVID sort of compounded that because, um, like, I started my business about, I think it was about eight months before the, 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 the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and everything got shut down. And I mean, up into that time, like um, I realized that actually nobody really understands immersive technologies. So I actually just started teaching people. That's how we started, how the business grew. They were just going out there, speaking to people, not looking for work or trying to sell services, but actually just trying to help people understand what, you know, genuinely trying to help people understand what the technology is, what it can do and what it can't do. And trying to get through, you know, sift through the hype of, you know, the salespeople and just say, look. This is actually what it's useful. This is what it's not useful for. And this is, you know, how you can, how you can use it because it's not inaccessible. Yeah. Um, and, um, so that's what we started to do. And when the pandemic hit, I mean, like my, I mean, like that March when, when it got locked down. Yeah. I mean, like I, 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 I actually got ill in the first couple of months because I there were, there was just so much kind of in, you know, um, interest in, 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 in doing virtual because obviously if you can't get your client to your environment or you yep. can't get your product to your client the only other way to do it is virtually it's the it's the, it's the second best way you absolutely and um, for me being able to send you my product you can project it into your room and, and interact with it and learn how it works and understand what the value and benefit of it is it's it's the best way to kind of sell it if I can't get to you. Absolutely, and we're starting to see a lot of businesses start to understand that now. Uh, so in a way, for our industry, the, the pandemic kind of accelerated that the that education and understanding of virtual spaces. And obviously, with Facebook's shift towards Meta, I mean, like, really, yeah. there's a lot of uh, you know um, hype around the metaverse. Um, you know because people don't fully understand it because they've all watched uh, ready player one and they think it's going to be like that yeah. and, uh, uh, and i think it is it's it's the next stage of the internet so yes. it's a more immersive interactive so we started off in web one which was just text and images that's right um and then it moved to you can have video on there now you've got web applications you know you can even do sculpting you can actually do sculpting on a web page now wow. which is really cool uh, you can, you, you there's actually a fault, uh, a web version of Photoshop. Now you can use online. And so the next version of the internet is saying it's going to be immersive. So you'll be able to have a VR headset on, you'll be able to walk around environments. You'll be able to look at objects, products, you know, and explore them. And I think that's kind of massively sort of, um, appealing to a lot of companies who are trying to contact and communicate more intimately with their audience Yeah, and, uh, but the things we've been doing metaverse st- stuff since like 2010 2011 so when i came out of university we did the first sort of online 3d space that you could explore which was the shah jahan mosque which was built by dr Litner and right. a friend of mine at the time mobin who was like looking at different ways to get people into into that space because yep. it was like in the middle of nowhere and so we actually just went along took a load of photographs digitized the space and you know, so so we've been doing this for a long time. So we, we kind of, we were, we, we, as soon as the metaverse sort of came in, we were like, yeah, we, we kind of understand this space. And now we started to develop um, metaverse tools for clients yep. Yep. so they could go online. So we created a, um, a visualization tool for uh, fuel trucks for a Canadian company so they could visualize how their truck designs would look. We've done um, building, you know, building scheme designs where you know it's online, so people can log in, leave comments, and they can collaborate with each other. It's very easy. It's just use, you know, the the best tools are the ones that integrate with existing practices. Absolutely, for sure. So rather than trying to change people and saying, "Oh, you got to put a VR headset on, you got to do things completely different," yeah. it's like, no, carry on doing what you're doing. Just yeah. go on this web page and start looking at this 3D model. Everyone can look at it. Everyone can add comments, uh, and it's very simple. And I think that that's what we found as well. And even with the museum, the experience we had there, and we actually did a lot of user testing with young families. And what they wanted was very a very quick and simple, easy to use um, um, application. And uh, we saw great success from that. And uh, we've followed that on into, like, we're working with... Uh, medical companies working with dance companies, costume companies. Now, mm-hmm. and, you know, all, uh, and, and the applications are like amazing. Like they they it just literally you can go to any industry and find an application for it.
1: It's, um, you, you certainly can. I mean, since j- even the 30-odd minutes that we've been talking now, I've come up with about seven different areas where I can see this actually working. And funny, you know, you're talking about 3D printing. Uh, one of my guests a couple of weeks ago, um, Melissa from um, Remedy Health, is doing a lot of 3D printing for um, vitamins and me- medicines, so the ability of producing bespoke medicines to suit individuals that are 3D printed. Um the the technology in the world is amazing right now. It's a great it's a great time to be alive. Um, we're coming up to the end of our time, and I'm, I'm I am conscious of that time. I wanted to go through our quickfire three, um, but just before we wrap up the main questions and we go into the quickfire three, you you spoke and and you speak about a lot um, about helping and, 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 and helping others and, you know, speaking to others. I know you're very philanthropic in, in your time and, and, uh, certainly within your community, it seems to be a really important element of your day-to-day life. Tell me a little bit about that and, and, and how you're helping inspire, you know, not only people in your community, but, but, but everyone trying to get into this industry.
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, like, I think as a, when when i was younger obviously you know the came from a like a working class background my parents were immigrants yeah and you know i just saw my parents work really hard and you know they they you know we weren't very well off so when it came to that time where i left school and i was looking for work here like my aspirations like i saw all these amazing things happening but i just didn't see a way that i could be part of them like i just didn't i could I, you know i i didn't kind of see myself there yeah. And, and I think that's that's a problem that a lot of young people have. So when I go to schools, uh, the biggest the biggest question, that I uh, you know, the, the first question that all the kids ask, you know, the, the, the main one, the main issue that they have is like, um you know, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do when I get get older. You know, when I leave school, I don't really know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I think is trying to solve the problem that I had when I was younger, which is I had ideas. I knew where I wanted to go but i just didn't see a path to yeah. it like I any mean, i was just completely disconnected from everything and just did not understand and there wasn't much help there and so i'm just trying to sort of fix that by being available and being yep. around and having creating those communities and creating those spaces where people feel comfortable walking in and asking questions and inquiring and exploring and finding where they want to be and i think that's kind of like one of my purposes Love and I think that. that we can, we can, you know, we, we do business and we, we pay the bills and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I think at the same time, there's, there's a, there's a, there's another like itch that we need to scratch, which is, yeah. how can I be useful to others? How yeah. can I help? How can I fix a problem that I, that I know very well because I've been there. And I think that's a good place to start, isn't it? Cause I, I know I've been there. I understand where I was and I understand when I speak to young people and they don't know where they want to go, they don't know how to get to where they want to go. You know, I know how to help them and I know how yep. to kind of advise them. And it's like, um, and, and a lot of it is just about kind of giving them, um, reassurance and saying yep. it's okay to feel that way. Yep. You know what I mean? And just because you didn't get an A in physics doesn't mean that you're useless or you're not clever. <laughs> Absolutely you know, you not. Know I mean? It's like it's like you know what I mean. I, I I failed all my GCSEs. You know what I mean? And it was the, yep. probably the best thing that could happen to me because it meant that I just you know nobody really expected anything from me. So I just did what I love to do and uh, gave me the freedom to do that. There was no expectation on me.
1: And that's the thing too. You know, you you. You have passion, or you have a desire to be successful. You will find a mentor. You will yeah. find someone that's going to invest in your time. Um, I would love to have someone ring me every day and ask for my advice, or, or what did I do? And you know, I started off as an engineer for ten years. I, I'm a yeah. toolmaker, you know, yeah. um, and then I came over here playing cricket, and then, um, and then you know, I'm in cybersecurity now. Um, for one of the biggest cybersecurity companies in the world who are are the best company I've ever worked for. Um, And... And how did I get there? Well, it was bloody hard work, Yeah, but it was also having opportunities, um, networking, and but just speaking to people uh, and saying, 100%. what do I do here? You know, I speak about it every podcast. My 15-year-old son has no idea what he wants to do, but do something. Don't just sit exactly. there. Do something, you know. So. Yeah. That's great, mate. And, and you know, I, I put it out to anyone who's listening to the podcast too. Taryn's just mentioned it. I've just mentioned it. If if you're thinking about what you want to do in your career and it's something to do with what Taryn's doing and I'm doing, give us a call email us yeah. we're more than happy to have a chat with you sorry Taryn if I've just g- given no, your
0: that's, that's perfect but
1: but I I, I think the same. I don't care who you are what you are where you are whatever if you want to have a s- chat with someone that's got a few gray hairs and and, and has been around a little bit reach yes. out you know that's what that's mm-hmm. another purpose of of what we do and that's why we do this podcast as well Taryn we have had a fabulous overview of what you're up to and what you're doing and and I'm' Uh, there's a few things in there that um, you know is racing through my mind. This modelling of various things, you know, national national uh, trust should be all over you, quite frankly, um, and all of those organisations should be should be knocking on your door asking you to do stuff. In my opinion, so maybe that's a further conversation we can have at some other time, but. Um, I want to go through the quickfire three, if I may. Um, and I just want you to give me what's th- at the top of your head. Okay. Mm. Um, these are not pre done. So, um, people out there, um, Taryn's not warned of what I'm going to ask him right now. So, um, the first quickfire question I've got for you is if you won or received £10 million tomorrow, what would you spend mm-hmm. it on?
0: Um, I would pay off my mortgage, help yep. out a few family members, and then yep. I would set up an academy um well i have already set up an academy but i'd be able to do it physically in a space where a center where people can come yep. and they can just learn about new technologies academy for youth or for anyone yeah anyone who wants to learn about interesting interest in these technologies there's a place they can come if they're interested in something they can come and learn more about it and get advice um on how to get into it
1: love that Love that. And and how many people do we know would use that? Heaps. So many people. What's the one piece of advice? This is question number two, by the way. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone starting out in your industry or, you you know, to follow your career?
0: Yeah, I, um, I think the number one piece of advice would be to actually start doing what it is that you want to do. Yeah. Don't wait for somebody to give you permission or somebody to come along and say, can you do this? You know, Start doing it and then the the most important thing is start sharing it out there, become part of that community so people can understand the value that you can bring. Uh, Because if people don't understand you, they don't know you, they don't know what you can do, they can't engage with your skill or engage with your passion.
1: I love it. Love it. Get it out there. Let people see it and then they can engage in your passion and, and, and utilize your skills. Love that. Final one. Taryn, and again, thank you for your time this morning. It's been absolutely fantastic learning more about you and and the business, and and modelling, and um, you know the 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 way virtual is going in, in in the world right now. But the the final question I have for you is, what's one question you wish you'd asked, and how would you have answered it?
0: Um, and who no, would, have who would you have asked it to? Yeah, um, yeah, I think. I think it's the question that I ask a lot of veteran business people mm-hmm. like in it. It's like, you know, uh, the, w- one thing I usually ask them is like, what's, what's, what's a piece of advice. Actually I, every time I meet someone who's been in business for a long time is quite successful. Yeah. I ask them, what advice would you give me starting out? Cause I'm quite early on. And you know, I, I I'm the first to admit, I don't always know what I'm doing yeah. uh, in business, but I, and that's usually the question that I ask, you know, uh, what advice can you give me? Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, and and I think the best advice that I've had is, you know what, Uh, at the beginning, nobody knows what they're doing. Just do your best, and, uh, you know, you'll find your way.
1: I love that. No one knows. No one knows. Do your best. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I love it. I'm just writing that down because I like that. I like that a lot. Taryn, the end of our time. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a bit better, um, and 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 learning more about the business, but also just the like I said earlier, you know the 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 mind boggles with the innovation and the uh, the the use cases that you could use with the things that you're doing right now. I wish you all the very best for the remainder of the year and obviously into the next year and beyond. Um, can't wait to see the uh, the Sikh soldier in 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 Leicester. You'll have to um, you'll have to let me know when that's all all done, so I can have a look at that. I'd be really really interested to yeah. see that when it's. Um, I'll definitely send you an invite to the launch. I can't wait. I can't wait. If I can make it, I will definitely be there. Believe me. um Thank you again for your time. I'm I'm looking forward to to hopefully meeting up face to face at uh, at some way shape or form up in Birmingham. And uh, when we do, I'm sure we're going to have a, a lot more to talk about.
0: Well, thank you very much, Scott.
1: Great. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you, Taryn, for taking the time and chatting to me today. Taryn's passion to work hard, follow his interests and dreams, and once he had the joy and financial support to give it a go, just really impressed me. His desire and enjoyment of helping others within the community is so evident in everything he does. And personally, I really enjoy listening to and learning from Business people like him who put people and communities at the forefront of their daily lives. My takeaway from the conversation is how he respects and learns from the past, but is always looking at the future. Thanks, Taryn, and all the very best to you and all the exciting and interesting projects you're currently working on. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, and remember to email us with any guest suggestions and subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Vanguard podcast. Take care, stay safe and keep on innovating.